the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir, and a pleasant good afternoon to you. It is a Thursday, and as we welcome you to this October 18th edition of Lifeline, once again, great to have you with us. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, we'll do more of the same on today's program. I want to mention at the outset, by the way, for listeners in the San Francisco area, I'm going to be speaking at the Businessmen's Fellowship Banquet coming up this Saturday, that's Saturday, October the 20th at 6 o'clock at Chinatown Restaurant located at 744 Washington Street in the city. And so, hey, if you're in town looking for a good dinner, want to have a little bit of solid Christian fellowship, then uh, we invite you to come on down, join us, be a part of the event. I'm going to have an opportunity to share my testimony and a bit about what the Lord has done in my life. So uh, here's an opportunity for either some solid fellowship and or an opportunity for you to invite a friend that uh, perhaps doesn't know the Lord. So that'll be Saturday, October the 20th at 6 p.m. at the Businessmen's Fellowship Bank in San Francisco. And I realize I have in front of me every detail except a website or a telephone number. So <laughs> I guess you can Google it and uh, get more information or give us a call here at the station at area code 510-713-1100, and we'll get that into your hands. Well, tonight in studio, a, a very special guest, certainly no stranger to the KFAX microphones down through the years. We had an opportunity to first meet back, oh my goodness, more than 20 years ago during the Nation of Islam's Million Man March. And um, at the time, I was desirous to find somebody who was an expert in the Nation of Islam and could speak to the apologetics of this from a uniquely Christian perspective. And lo and behold, a mutual acquaintance, Hank Hanegraaff, said, you know, I've got a guy right up in the San Francisco Bay Area that I think you're going to like. Well, not only uh, came to like him, but came to consider him to be a dear brother in the Lord and a friend for many, many years, going on two and a half decades now, which is difficult because when you meet him, he tells people he's only 21. But <laughs> any rate, that's, that's for a whole different program. We'll drill down that aspect of it on, a, on, a, on another show. Normally, he is here to talk theology as we welcome Dr. Jerry Buckner to the program. Uh, today, though, a bit of a different show. And, and Dr. Buckner, first, great to have you on. Listeners, of course, know you from Contending for the Faith, heard every Saturday evening right here on KFAX. But good to pull you in a little bit earlier in the week and, and, and kind of get a, uh, a, a behind-the-scenes look into some of your life. Thank you, Brother Craig. I appreciate that. It's I, always an honor and a, a privilege to be on your program. And uh, I know that you are my brother, from another mother, but we have the same <laughs> Heavenly Father, Amen. and it's always do. a joy just to fellowship with you and uh, throughout the years, and every time I come into the studio, I just feel doubly blessed by 
the Holy Spirit, and I know that he's going to always do something dynamic and powerful as we work together to serve the kingdom of God. Amen. And, you know, your ministry is such an important one because if there was ever a day in an age when there was a significant lack of solid Christian apologetics, today is the day in an age. There is probably the highest degree of biblical illiteracy certainly that I've ever seen, when I hear people misquoting the Bible right and left, misapplying it right and left. And these are not just the folks in the pews. These are not just the people in the pews, but the men in the pulpits are sometimes some of the worst offenders to all of this, demonstrating the fact that a need for solid biblical understanding and a real embracing of what Christian apologetics is all about And I suppose that therein lies the struggle, the challenge today, and that is to get the average believer to understand this is not like just signing up for a club and you show up on Sundays. Um, When Christ wants a relationship with you, he means he wants you to be fully immersed in the most effective means we have of getting to know him, his character, his personality, his love, and that's God's word. Sadly, though, a lot of people kind of want to soak it up, you know, uh, vicariously through other sources. Let somebody else do all the reading. You know, Dr. McGee can do the Bible reading for me. I don't need to do it. But in fact, that's very dangerous when you when you don't take the time to what the Scripture tells us, study to show yourself approved. Oh, absolutely. And you know, Craig, uh, I've always said this, and I even said on my program that uh, the curse of the church today is biblical illiteracy. Mm. And, you know, apologetics, what it does is that it uh, is a command in Scripture. We find that uh, in uh, Jude 3, by which we get our name, Contending for the Faith, uh, the brother of Jesus said, uh, be, uh, you know, to sanctify the Lord, and you know, God, and we are to sanctify him in First Peter 3 and 15. That is a apologetic Scripture. But in Jude 3, he says, contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints. So what happens oftentimes when it comes to apologetics is that apologetics, what it does is it it commands us to use our mind along with our heart. And a lot of times when we go into the church, we use our hearts because we get emotionally involved. We get hyped over the worship service and the Word of God, but we don't use our minds. Apologetics is is a command of using not only your heart but your mind. And Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. So he puts the mind with the heart, and apologetics is going to make you think, and it's going to make you act in using that mind. And a lot of times we leave our minds outside of the church door, and we get into the church, and, and you know, that's what the seminary and Bible college is all about, is that you use your mind, that you use your mind academically and biblically, and you exercise that mind for the kingdom of God. And so this is a command, First Peter 3 and 15, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks if you have reason to hope to send you with meekness and fear. And then another command of apologetics is that, you know, Jude talks about contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints. And so, and Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, I'm set for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. What apologetics does, it will equip you to not only give answers to those who are opposing the gospel, but it gives answers to those who have unanswered questions even in the body of Christ. In Sunday school, uh, in Bible study, in church, a lot of people in churches have unanswered answers. And so we are here in the field of apologetics to give those answers. And, you know, it's interesting because when we look at apologetics on one end or the studying of God's Word and faith on the other, 
some folks mistakenly think it's either or, when it's really both and. You can have all of the book knowledge possible, but if you don't know how to exercise your faith, it'll be of no effect. Absolutely. The same token, you can have plenty of faith, you can have lots of zeal, but absent knowledge will be floundering about there with diverse sorts of uh, doctrines that are, are, are completely antithetical to what Scripture teaches. And suddenly you find this emaciated church that on one hand has book knowledge but no faith, on the other hand has faith but no book knowledge, and then you find the mushy middle um, from the atheist perspective that says, well, all this Christianity business uh, you know, is all about checking your brains at the door. And, and sadly, none of that isn't true, that God, in fact, wants us to be connected not just with our hearts and our spirits, but our minds as well. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus said to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and your strength. So he's putting all that together, and we see apologetics all into that. And when we look at theology, theology is thinking about God, you know, thinking about God. And apologetics is defending for God. Hermeneutics is interpreting for God. And ministry is ministering for God. And evangelism is telling for God. And Walter Martin one time said this. This was my mentor. He said, apologetics is the handmaiden of evangelism. If you're going to be an effective evangelist, you're going to have to know the principles of apologetics because they go together like a hand in a glove. And this is an area by which... The way we get this into our churches is to get people like Dr. Buckner into your churches to disciple people in this area. The word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible. The word disciple is mentioned 269 times. And this is the thing that's lacking in our churches is that people are not discipled, not only in the area of the essential doctrines, but they haven't been discipled in the area of apologetics. And this goes back, Craig, sad to say, to pastors, it starts in the pulpit. When I go to churches and I start doing seminars on the Trinity, I can do it with pastors, and they don't know it. I can ask them questions about where did we get the word Trinity from? They don't know. Where in the Bible is God called one God? They don't know. And this all goes back to discipleship. When you think about the disciples in the church, The disciples were first discipled by John the Baptist, and and a lot of people miss that. They were discipled by John the Baptist, and then when Jesus came along, he gave them a double shot uh, of uh, discipleship. And so they started being discipled by Jesus, and when you put those two discipleship together, they came out of it powerfully. And that's the thing that's lacking in our churches today is we are lacking in the principles of the discipleship. Therefore, we're ignorant, and that opens up Pandora's box for all the evil in the world to come into the churches. And I think folks need to really understand that this principle of what discipleship is, that studying to show yourself approved, that being prepared enough intellectually and certainly theologically to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within, is in fact at the core of good, successful discipleship. I mean, otherwise, if Christ's mandate was, you know, go out and make Christians, you know, he could have paraded around town as Christ and his Christians, sounding like, you know, a garage band or something, when in fact, it was Jesus and the disciples. And there's an important distinction, as you point out, Christian is mentioned three times in Scripture, but the rest throughout is all focusing on 
being his disciple. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you think about that word uh, discipleship, it, it, it falls into the area of teaching. So when you look at Matthew 28, the word teach is put before disciple. Jesus mentioned about teaching and then disciple. A lot of times people will even join the church and they will be baptized and never go through a discipleship class and they don't even know what it means to be the purpose of being baptized. First, they don't know what it means to be saved because they haven't had classes on what it means to be saved, but they don't know that the principles of who God is. So Jesus put teaching before uh, baptism, but we do the opposite in our churches. And it's interesting, too, I'll say one more thing on this, that Jesus spent most of his time uh, teaching his disciples And then he spent the other time preaching to sinners. In our churches, what we do, we spend more time preaching to believers and hardly ever discipling it. So we reverse the tables here. Jesus taught disciples, but we spend most of our time preaching in our churches. And at the end of the day, we wonder why the scripture seems to be, or the gospel seems to be of no effect. Nobody shows up at our churches. We can't win anybody to the Lord. Their hearts are all closed. When in reality, we have been going about this, generally speaking, certainly in this present generation, we have been going about this all wrong. Now, let me put a pause there and say, you're listening to this conversation with Dr. Jerry Buckner from Contending for the Faith and thinking, yeah, that's easy for you, pastor. After all, you pastor a church, you've got degrees, you're a learned, educated individual, and so your life is easy. You got it all together. (laughs) You're going to find out a little bit more about Dr. Buckner's story when we come back right after a brief time out. It is the Thursday edition of Lifeline, 18 minutes after the hour, 5 o'clock. We're going to swing over to the KFAX Traffic Center, find out what's going on out there traffic-wise. Michael Bennett, what you say? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir. We're back 22 minutes after the hour, 5 o'clock here, the Thursday edition of Lifeline. Very special guest today in studio, and as I mentioned, certainly no stranger to KFAX listeners. He is Dr. Jerry Buckner, host of Contending for the Faith, heard Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. We invite you to tune in and check out the program. It's probably one of the best, certainly one of the best, Christian apologetic programs on radio today. We've been very, very proud of the ministry opportunity and the partnership with Dr. Buckner down through the years. And I, and I, and I bet you hear, as I suggested before the break, Dr. Buckner, from folks that will say, well, you know, you're a pastor, your family's been raised, bathed in God's Word, your kids all look up to you and, and worship the ground you walk on because you're this this wonderful pastor and an educated man, and do you have to say, I hope? <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> uh, there, there are the challenges of being a PK that makes it not always all that it's cracked up to be, and I guess in some respects that attitude of, oh, well, your family pastor must be perfect bears an additional pressure that most families, most parents don't have to deal with, doesn't it? Yeah, that's very true. Uh, We oftentimes think that uh, because a person is a preacher or a person comes from a Christian home, that uh, the kids are always going to be pretty much uh, perfect in their walk with God and that sort of thing. But uh, a lot of times when parents come to me and they say, well, you know what, I'm having problems with my kids. And they have gone astray. 
their wayward children. And I said, well, you know what? The first wayward children in the Bible was Adam and Eve. <laughs> and uh, they find comfort in that because they say, man, that's a very good point because God made two perfect people, and yet they went astray. And it's not always the parents' fault. You know, a lot of times the parents feel guilty and bad, and but, you know, we can't point the finger at God. You know, Adam and Eve knew what was right and wrong to do. Well, and as kids, listen, we got out of, out of hand, and, you know, mom or dad would say, you know, go do your homework, go make your bed. Who says? What's well, an exact quote from what was raised by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Oh, absolutely. Don't eat of the fruit. Who says? Yes. And see, the one challenging the, authority. Yes. Yeah, so one of the big problems and struggles today, and my son will be able to talk a little bit about some of this later on, but uh, the problem today with parents and children is that there is a battle between parents who want to control. They absolutely want complete control. And then the kids want complete freedom. So the thing is, when you put these two together, uh, there is uh, head-butting, clashes, um, and conflict. So what we do in the midst of this, we have to bring uh, a balance. And that's the challenge for both sides. How do you build challenge and balance in the midst of these challenges? And how do you surrender? Mm -hmm. Because I would imagine for you and Nancy in this case, um, raising kids. You pour your heart, your passion, everything into raising to respect the Lord, have good manners, pay attention in school, become successful young adults. I mean, that's the dream that every parent has. And yet to understand you can direct them, you can guide them, but you really can't control them. And that we all have this thing called free will, that even God himself recognizes, I can't force you, but I can lead you, and I can set up consequences if you make the wrong choices. It's difficult, though, for parents to accept that, isn't it? Oh, it really is, because, again, that's what I was saying, the battle between freedom and control. And what we have to do is look at it from the perspective of what you just said, God. God is not going to force any of us to do his will. Uh, God is, didn't create us to be robots. He created us with volitional choices. That means that we have the freedom to do whatever we want to do. But when we do that, God says there will be consequences for your action. But also if you make the right choices, there will be rewards, and we need to bring that out as well. So, you know, I, I'm just so blessed to be able to have my son in the studio with us, and he's had he'll share his battles and his struggles. But the joy of all of this in the midst of us bringing flexibility in the midst of the freedom and the control, and all parents need to hear this, is that we do what God called us to do as parents. And we simply uh, plant the seed, water it with prayer, and God will give the increase because the Scriptures is very clear, and I lean on this promise, Isaiah 55. If my word goes forth, it will not return to me void, but it will prosper where and I send it. It has prospered in our son's life and his journey and our other kids. Even though they've had their issues, God's word did not was not planted in void. And it must do your heart overwhelmingly good to know that as your son has engaged in his own choices, and sometimes they weren't always good choices, and sometimes he had to suffer the consequences, as we all do, 
that in the end, he, on his own, independent of any forcefulness by you, perhaps direction, but not forcefulness, that he, on his own, chose God. And I think that's important because at the end of the day, God doesn't have any stepchildren. He, he doesn't say, well, because Dr. Buckner is such a good believer, all of his children are all going to fall. No, God says everyone has to choose and everyone has to deal with me separately and directly. Absolutely. So there can't be any sort of, uh, well, I'll do this because vicariously it'll all work out. And that must do the heart of a father good when your son makes the right choice. Oh, it really does. And, you know, I uh, can uh, look back on my children. They've had their issues. But, you know, when you look back and you see the, the fruit comes out of the root, you know, when you, when you plant something with that root, it brings fruit. And it brings fruit in a, in a way that you look back and you say, oh, yeah, now all that we did, my wife and I, Nancy and I, is bringing fruit right now because we dealt with that root. And here's the fruit, the result of that. Has this, and we're going to get a chance to hear from Ben here. Ben's thinking, my dad won't shut up. <laughs> That's right. Ben, not to worry, we can control the microphone. So <laughs> just take it away from him. Um, it, it it must be a sense for you not only in terms of, of um, having been a, a great delight to see the direction that Ben's life is going in, but then, too, I would imagine during some of the challenges, and we're going to have him tell that story in a moment, during some of the challenges, was it faith-building for you? Did it cause you, Dr. Jerry Buckner, to lean more on the Lord and have to, at the same token, in leaning on the Lord, also surrender your son to the Lord and say, you know, he, 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 he is my son, Lord, but he's your son first? Oh, absolutely. And until you get to that place, Craig, you'll never see the power of God working. And it, I had to get to that place and saying, you know what, I can't control this situation. Is that a frightening place to be? It really is. Because it's a very frightening it? place when you can't control the situation. And I've had my tempting moments to do that, try to control this and control that. But when I let go and let God, that's when God started to do his greatest See, people work. hear that and they say, that sounds so trite, Dr. Buckner. Mm-hmm. I've heard folks say that before. It sounds so trite. Mm-hmm. But is it so true in terms of just the enormous step of faith that you have to make? I mean, we got on an airplane. I've never met the guy that's in the cockpit. I didn't build this thing. I understand a little bit of the principle, but but I don't know that really if you sat down and said, okay, we're going to take 335 people and stick them into a long aluminum tube with wheels on it and things that stick out to the side and a big propeller up front, and we're going to go up 35,000 feet and take you from one end of the continent to the other. If you just describe it that way, it's out of your mind. Mm -hmm. And yet there's a degree to which we have to let go and say, all right, there are experts here. There are aeronautical experts. There's a trained pilot. There are mechanical engineers and people that designed all of this. And people understand aerodynamics that put the effort behind this. And then I have to, therefore, release some of my fear and trust that they know what they're doing that eventually the outcome will be a good one, that I will make it from New York to San Francisco safely. Is that a lot like parenting? Oh, very much so. And when you mention the word fear, it, it really comes in because fear is, well, I wonder what the future is going to be. But you get to the place where you say the future is in the hands of God. And I have an acronym for fear. Uh, F means false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, to be real. 
And when you dealing with children, you got to lean on God, but you got to lean on God's word. And Philippians chapter four is something that I was leaning on all the time is when it says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Your, your heart needs to be guarded and your mind because your mind can take you in a lot of places but when you release it to God and you surrender it to God, then God gives you this overwhelming peace of mind and heart, and he gives you the assurance that everything is going to be all right. And he's, he gives you the assurance that it's going to be all right, not in my timing, mm. but in God's timing. Because they used to say this all in the, in the old black church, he may not be there when you want him, but he's always there on time. And I love that. I love that. And that sense that you may not be in control, mm-hmm. but he is always in control. In fact, there has never been a time in history that he has not been in control. And if anybody's ever thought for a moment, God seems to be out of control here, believe me, you are sorely mistaken. Yeah, and, and when you think about that, that he's in control, you come behind that with saying, everything has a purpose. Mm. You, you see, because I couldn't lean on, when, when my son was going through some changes, I couldn't lean on my emotions. I couldn't lean on, on faulty, uh, faulty somethingness. I had to lean on faith. And faith told me to trust God's Word. And, and it's interesting, Dr. Buckner, because so often parents will say when they've got a child that's making bad choices, I've got to straighten them out, correct them, discipline them, do whatever I need to do because this is all about them. But the irony is that it isn't all about them because it's also a lot about you. Absolutely. It's about you learning to surrender, to recognize he's got free will. You can't always thumb down and say you're going to do it my way or the highway. And so... A lot of this is an exercise in faith and a testing of not just your relationship with your son, but your relationship with God. Am I right? Oh, well, it really is. And that testing comes to grips with this, this fact, that Romans 8 and 28, in the midst of all the testing that you go through, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. When you look at even your children making not the right choices but the wrong choices— you simply say, God has a purpose in this. It's kind of like the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son's father, this is a good illustration, the prodigal son's father didn't chase after his son. He allowed him the freedom. That's what we're talking about, right? He allowed him the freedom to, to go to the pig's pen. And he realized that my son is a sheep, and he's in the pig's pen. He's going to finally wake up. And the Scripture said he came to his senses And so when we lean on God's word that everything has a purpose, and I leaned on also Genesis 50, when Joseph said to his brothers, what you intend for evil, God will bring good. You just get comfort out of not only surrendering it to God, but simply saying, God has a purpose in this. And uh, when we look back on our own lives, and I was just hearing your testimony earlier, we've all been there and done that. So God has given us all grace, and when we remember our own fate, our own situation, it helps us to show mercy to those in our household and those outside of our household. Isn't that amazing? Because oftentimes, 
in, in our our relationship with the Lord, we are so eager to say to see children come to Christ or a spouse come to Christ, and we wanted to hurry up, do it yesterday. It's like the guy that sits at the microwave screaming, "Boil, boil." Forgetting the fact that we had our own journey, we went through our own stages of rebellion, we had our own discovery process, we had our own process of surrendering our will to his will and and acknowledging and confessing and repenting and, and eventually coming to reconciliation. Nobody bypassed that process. So we forget, hey, wait a minute, and such were some of you, mm-hmm. that while you were yet sinners. Yes. So I think the realization and the comfort that any parent, any individual listening right now that has a concern about a loved one and says, I don't know what's happening here, I feel so out of control, that's not so bad. I have to leave it in God's hands because I don't know what to do, that's probably a good thing. And to learn how to surrender to him if you've provided the guidance, provided the love, and learn to lean not on your own understanding, but to trust him. God says, hey, listen, when I died on the cross, you weren't the only one on my mind. He was on my mind, too. Mm-hmm. And I got it handled. Like and if you can begin to understand that it's a unique journey for every one of us. God has no stepchildren. It's all direct relationship. And come to trust that God means what he says, that he's true to his word, if you'll just exercise the faith. We're going to pause on that point. Ben is thinking, we've been in here 40 minutes. I haven't said a word. That's okay, Ben. we got an hour and a half left. He's had his piece for turning his microphone off, so you, you get the last word. I'm kidding. We'll take a time out to get a look at traffic. When we come back, we're going to meet Benjamin Buckner. But right now, we're going to meet Michael Bennett to get a look at traffic for you right here at 537 from the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael? We're back in studio with Dr. Jerry Buckner. Of course, Dr. Buckner's program, Contending for the Faith, comes your way every Saturday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. Also joining us today in studio, thought he'd never get a word in edgewise, is his son, Ben. And uh, Ben, welcome. Good to have you with us today. Hey, Craig. Thank you for uh, having me and my father on. Now, we're we're going we're gonna, to, I don't know whether we have to <laughs> take the microphone away. Uh, he, he's, as you probably know, you grew oh, yeah. up around the man. He loves oh, yeah. to talk. He's got oh, a lot yeah. to say. Absolutely. But now we want to hear a little bit from you. Um, yes. Kind of, kind of walk us through your story. You're raised as a PK. Yes, a PK. Your dad is not only well-known, mm-hmm. well-educated, mm-hmm. well-respected. So everybody's thinking, boy, Dr. Buckner's kids, they are just going to be perfect little angels. And right. They're going to follow in his footsteps. They're right. going to be little miniature theologians and mm-hmm. one day grow up to be doctors and do the same thing. Yeah. What was that pressure like as a kid growing up? It was really, um, you know, as a kid on, when I wasn't a teenager, it was actually really um, helpful in my life. You know, it really um, to know the Lord and to uh, get the tools, you know, from not only a preacher, but a theologian, apologist, someone who um, knows their stuff, um, knows biblical teaching. It really... Uh, made me I felt like I had an advantage over my peers at the time um but like you were saying with the balancing between um controlling and kind of letting letting the person um figure things out for themselves it was tough because I was always told what to do and you know that 
kind of makes kids want to rebel and act out when they're constantly told what to do. But in all, at the end of the day, it all helped me become the person I am today. So the initial foundation yes. was very beneficial. Yes, the foundation. Um, mm. But now, fast forward, uh, give me the perspective of a 12 or 13-year-old right? when dad says, okay, everybody in the car, time to go to church, right. and your buddies are saying, hey, we're all going to meet at the park to play hoops. Meet us down there. Yes. And you're not feeling sitting and listening to him talk. You can sit at the dinner table and hear him talk all night long. Right, right. And suddenly now there's some choices that have to be made. Yes. There had to have been a lot of pushback just because of who he is. Yes. And the environment in which you were raised, where, as you say, things were clear cut. There was not a lot of guesswork here. Right. And suddenly now you want to make some of your own choices because you're becoming your own man. What happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There were times that I would um, want to go to, you know, play at the park on a Sunday instead of, you know, sitting through um, church and, you know, listening, listening to everything. I loved church growing up, but there were always those days where you wanted to sleep in and, you know, uh, sleep on Sundays because you had to go to school uh, throughout the week. So, um, you know, the only really day I had to sleep in was um, like Saturday. So it was it would have been nice to sleep in some days. But I think uh, growing up with my father, there was always a balance between um, going to church and church life and um, doing fun things and doing he always, you know, took us to movies. We went to Disneyland. We So he was really good at balancing uh, church life and social activities, too. And I feel like that um, really made it a lot easier for me. But there were also times where, um, you know, I wanted to go stay over at a friend's house and you know, my dad and would be like, oh, I want to talk to the parents first. And I was like, uh, but my friends, they they don't need to talk to their parents before they go over to their house. But I realize now that it was just him being protective over me and looking out for my best interests, you know, because anything could happen to me. But at the time, I was, you know, just, you know, rebellious. You know, I didn't want to um, I wanted to be able to, you know, I, I looked at it as embarrassing that he had to call the parents to ask. Uh, if I could go over to their house. So that's like, you know, an example of something. Um, and then when in my teens, like 12 and up, I started to act out even more and um, rebel even more because um, uh, it wasn't just, um, you know, going to church and, and, and you know, having a pastor raise me. It was also uh, the environment I grew, grew up in. I was one of the only, um, you know, biracial uh, students and a lot of my teachers uh, were trying to hold me back, and you know I had no motivation in school. I wasn't, um, you know, motivated to try, so I never got good grades. Two points that you make here: yes. one in terms of the grades. Um, Dad's going to earn doctorate. Yeah, Dad's no dummy. <laughs> right, he knows how to study. Yes, and he's a professor, and you're coming home with bad grades. That's got to be that's got to be driving you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And and how are you reacting to his reaction? Oh, man, I honestly, I didn't really care. I just at that time, I cared about just I was isolating a lot. You know, I didn't want to, um, you know, I didn't even want to engage or put in the effort in school. But I know, you know, he was hurt about it and my mom was hurt about it. And like, you know, 
they have their degrees and they're doing well and it's like you want your want your kids to do well also and you know i just continued to get bad grades but somehow they just kept moving me on to the next grade but uh, my parents knew i had potential they knew i was a smart kid um, and good genes and good genes yeah <laughs> but um so when the teachers were trying to hold me back and give me all these tests and stuff my dad actually was like you know there's nothing wrong with my son you know you're not going to hold him back and you know you're not going to you're not going to do this to my son and and I was able to stay in my grade and um once I got to high school though I was just um I didn't care um what my parents thought I didn't care uh what my teachers thought I didn't believe I could do well in school so why bother um, so why bother so yeah you touched on another topic that I want to explore a little bit mm-hmm. and I think it's important for everyone listening you mentioned about the challenges of being biracial right and and I would suspect by that you mean that there was a degree to which perhaps you didn't feel like you belonged absolutely in either camp absolutely meaning with your African American friends you yes. weren't black enough I wasn't black enough and then and with, with your white friends I was too black you're too black and yeah exactly and growing up I was always in grade school referred to as the black kid even though I was biracial because. There were only white kids where I was growing up. But once we got into high school, you know, there was a little more diversity. And, you know, um, there was a lot of pressure to be cool, a lot of pressure to fit in. So a lot of my peers that I went to school with, I was always athletic. So I was, you know, playing basketball. And that's kind of how I was able to um, connect with my peers at the time. But when everyone got into high school, it became more about um, drug use, going to parties and you know, what can we do, like peer pressure things to fit in. And my roots being raised conservatively um, in a liberal area, it was hard to kind of blend in with all of that. Well, you, you have know? a real a real dichotomy set up there yeah. because yeah. you've got, as you say, uh, conservative roots right. in terms of, of upbringing and the difference between right and wrong and those right. sort of moral standards, we'll, we'll, we'll call it, right. and an extremely liberal area yes and then there's this sense of not really feeling like you ever totally fit in like an identity crisis if you if you if you if you fit in racially you don't fit in morally and Mm -hmm. if you fit in morally maybe you don't fit in racially so and then the pressure to try and be a part of the group right say well they're all pushing me to take some e smoke pot whatever right and I don't want to do it, and yet maybe that'll help me be part of the, the group that I can get a little sense of belonging. Identity, yeah. identity for you was a real challenge at that time. It was then. a real, real challenge, and you know, I uh, so to cope with that, what I would do is I would ditch school, and I wouldn't want to be around school. I wouldn't want to. I also felt like I shouldn't need to sell out to because of the strong foundation I got when I was being brought up I shouldn't need to sell out and do drugs just because it's cool you know um I was able to see the bigger picture of like okay they're doing this I mean why do you need to do drugs to have a good time and Dr. Buckner there's that train up a child in the way he should go yeah that 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 made an impression upon him that gave him enough strength to be able to resist that right Oh, yeah, absolutely, because you um, have to give your children a foundation. If they don't have a foundation to stand on, 
they'll be like the other two pigs. And you just can't tell them, here's right, here's wrong, and leave it at that. You really have to instill in them the ability to differentiate so that when the new surprise comes along, and you never talked about this, he still has the capacity to be able to make a wise judgment call to conclude what's right and what's wrong. And this is the difference between teaching our kids what to think versus teaching our kids how to think. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. You have to instill yeah. in your children um, not only a foundation, but when they have that foundation, you build in them a sense of discernment. Mm-hmm. In this world today in which we live in, if children come up with no sense of foundation and no discernment, they'll go along with everything. And this is one of the reasons why we even see suicide taking place with so many teens because they don't have a foundation right. nor mm-hmm. know how to discern uh, you know, evil from good. You know, I've talked about the fact that if you grow up believing in nothing, someday you'll fall for anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, Ben, for you, I mean, this is this is a real struggle. It is. Because and the temptation to want to fit in yes. is there. The enemy presents the opportunity, in a sense. Right. Yet you've got the discernment to say, hmm, that maybe is not going to be the best road to Yeah, go down. I've got the discernment. So you, you avoid a lot of that environment. Yeah. But meanwhile... He and mom think you're going to school every day. Right, right. That's going to catch up after, after a while when they start handing out these little yes, letters, A's, letters. B's, and C's, you know? Well, I had a um, kind of a smart way of doing things. I uh, would go to the nurse's office like around uh, six period or early, and I'd uh, get written up by the nurse and say I had a headache or something. And they would put that in the system, and that would excuse me the whole day they want to call home. So I had like a way to, you know, get around things. But he used, that didn't, the, he yeah. used that Buckner charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's where they say the apple doesn't fall from the tree. See, right. so this is really your fault. Right. But it, it, it didn't work all the time. And, you know, eventually um, the ditching and the stuff, it kind of made me into an outcast because people are looking at you. They realize, um, you know, Something's off about this guy. He's not coming to the parties with us. He's not in this clique. He's not in this group. Um, let's mess with him. He's an easy target. He's a he's a tall guy. Um, you know, if if I can, you know, challenge him to a fight, maybe um, it'll give me some um, cool creds or something. So uh, I ended up getting into a lot of fights, and ultimately, that's what got me um, expelled and kicked out. But um, I still had all those things from the foundation. Being at a very young age, my dad, um, you know, would sit down with me. We'd go over the Bible. We'd, I've memorized all the books of the Bible at a very young age and, you know, a lot of important verses in the Bible. And I didn't understand um, spiritual warfare at the time. I didn't realize that it was, um, well, I always knew that because he taught me that, but I had forgotten it. And um, I wasn't seeing that it was, you know, the spirit behind the person um, at the school, and I was I was looking at the person as the main problem. So I would have rage towards that towards that person, and we would fight, and you know it would be end brutally. So I kind of lost my path and lost my um, uh, you know um, you know yeah my path and everything. You probably had good cause, Ben. I mean, throughout this period of time, to have a lot of rage, a lot of anger, yeah. in a lot of directions, right? Pressure. Uh, pressure at home, right. pressure at school, pressure from your peers, mm-hmm. 
And, and, and meanwhile, as you point out, having the sense of not really belonging, not fitting in. Right. You're, you're, you're not perfect enough in terms of your grades to uh, feel comfortable at school. Right. You're not a party guy, so you're not fitting in there. Yeah, There's the biracial issue. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden mm-hmm. now, you're walking about, and you know, I, I guess Dr. Buckner, this is where you know young people say, well, they're they're in the middle of an identity crisis, right? And we adults sometimes don't understand it. Well, mm-hmm. here's a classic example, yeah, of how that sort of identity crisis, quote unquote, can can develop, and and fortunately. When you came tumbling down, there was a safety net there. There was, yeah. And my parents um, always had my back through whatever I went through. The same with my sisters, too. Um, you know, no matter what we go through, they've always been there. And it was a blessing to have two parents that were still together because the divorce rate is so high. And I had that moral um, code. I mean, the, the my dad's never disrespected my mom. And I always knew how to treat a woman based on... Uh, what my dad um, did, but I had that them to look up to as role models, and they were my safety net to go to the meetings with me at school to support me in getting into a new high school when I got kicked out of the other one. I had to go to continuation school, uh, make up a bunch of credits, and you know they were key instruments in getting me into a new high school. Let me ask your dad. I'm curious. When the phone call comes... We have expelled Ben for fighting, et cetera, et cetera. What are you thinking at this point? Well, at that point, I was devastated because— you have a clue? I mean, you, you had an idea, I'm sure. Yeah. But I did had, you really understand the depth of just what your son was facing? No, I really didn't have uh, the depth of understanding everything because um, a lot of things was kept secret from him. And I wasn't aware of a lot of things. He was working to keep a lot of stuff secret from you, too. That's right. That's right. And so uh, we had a meeting uh, around this at the school, and uh, they said that he's going to be expelled for fighting. And then he also went to Juvenile Hall. And uh, that was Ben's uh, rock bottom going to Juvenile Hall. And you must have initially been thinking, this is clearly a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not my son. Absolutely. There's, there's somebody else who's got the same last name, <laughs> mixed names up. It's not right. Ben Buckner, it's Ken Buckner, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And, and at the uh, meeting that we had at the school, uh, you know, this uh, predominantly white school, and my son also, he didn't mention this, that they, the kids would also call him Oreo. And so, and that devastated him as well but i i literally cried because i was i was uh uh just didn't say uh, i said to myself i'm devastated over what has happened here yeah. Do you at some point i mean in addition to turning to nancy your wife saying what's going on mm-hmm. do you at some point maybe in the privacy of your own prayer closet turn towards god with a bit of a fist and say what are you doing do you understand who i am <laughs> i'm dr jerry buckner yeah, well, I've, I've given my life to you. I've done my best to raise this kid in the way that he should respect you. And this is the return that I get? Yeah, you know, uh, those thoughts did, were there. But I think on a greater level, I looked at everything where, uh, like I mentioned earlier, uh, God uh, is a perfect father uh, of all of us. And his children went astray. And then not only did his uh, Adam and Eve, but even their children, you had... Uh, you know, Cain and Abel, and yet uh, one of them, uh, Cain, became the bad kid and Abel the good kid. So you realize that 
uh, here again is individual choices, and I can't uh, blame myself. Uh, I've done what I had to do, uh, but I did cry, and I did. Lift, it was more of a thing of me saying, "God, this is beyond my control." And I can't control it, and I don't want to try to control it. I'm going to give it to you uh, to uh, control, and you take it. And what the enemy intends for evil, bring good out of this, because I know that we have planted the seed, and we have put some roots in him, so bear some fruit in him. And who better to take that to? You get on your face before God and say, Mm -hmm. Father, my son is rebelling. And God answers back, huh, you want to talk about rebellion? Let me tell you about rebellion. <laughs> That's right. I'm an expert in it. I'm an expert Since in Since the Garden of Eden. Since the Garden of Eden. And this is, this is so comforting to every parent out there listening right now. And, you know, God had to be hurt by what Adam and Eve did. And he had to continue to be hurt by the children of Israel, how they continued to hurt him and serve other pagan gods and 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 god over and over and over his children through from genesis the revelation even in the last days there will be people turning away and whether you're a christian or not a christian everybody is god's children by uh creation uh, or by adoption but people have rebelled against god in so many ways but my son i i wanted to be able to share in a little bit just how the enemy, what he intended for evil, and how we re- we surrendered this to God, how when he went through that rock bottom at the juvenile hall, mm-hmm. that's when we start to see everything that we had uh, taught him. God was using this to bring good out of it because I believe that everybody, all of us, go through a period where we have our rock bottoms. I don't care who you are, you have rock bottoms. And if you don't listen to God, there's such a thing as a bottom out. <laughs> you, can, you can hit rock bottom, or you can bottom yourself right out of this universe. And that's what I was praying. God, don't let our son bottom out. But you began to see the, the little sprouts of the seeds that you had planted beginning to germinate and just kind of poke their head up above the surface of the soil and had to have said at that point, okay, one plants, another waters, he brings forth the increase. His word that you have preached so faithfully will not return void. So it's a testing of God in one sense, a testing of your own faith, a testing your ability to surrender, and maybe, too, a personal, intimate, deeper look as a father, because you can talk to God as another father, from father to father, and you can talk about having a rebellious child, or in his case, rebellious children, and and then recognize, yeah, God says, you know, well, yeah, I get this. I, I fully understand this, and I get this so much so, and I'm so passionate about providing an answer to this state of rebellion that I came up with a plan. And my plan was to send forth my only begotten son. He was going to eventually pay the price that all my rebellious creation since the beginning of time rightfully should pay for their rebellion in, in, in insulting me and turning their backs toward me. But I'm going to let my son, my only begotten son, pay this price that through that work on the cross, through that sacrifice, anyone who will 
can receive of that forgiveness of God, that his blood, the shed blood of Christ, would cover all those sins for all mankind, and that through that then we could be not just reconciled unto the Father, but seen as a new creation in God's eyes. Oh, yeah. And wow. That, and I mean, that's and that, powerful stuff. When you put that in perspective of not just the salvation message, but what it means from the perspective of a, of a, a weeping parent for mm-hmm. a wayworld child. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, the thing, too, I wanted to add this to what you're saying, too, is that uh, we must never forget that Satan is really after uh, our children. Mm-hmm. And... Every parent listening need to who's struggling with their children. There, there is power behind prayer. Well, and like Ben says, he didn't recognize at the time that he was in the middle of spiritual warfare. You had a bullseye painted on you about that big. Yeah, and and there is power behind prayer and teaching your children about spiritual warfare, and and Satan comes after our children to get to us. And you you think about what Tony Evans had to go through with his his uh, daughter and then you think about uh billy graham you know franklin graham was oh. not <laughs> <laughs> franklin graham was not always franklin graham yeah. there was a yeah. time that would have been the worst choice yeah. to follow up the billy graham evangelistic association no doubt and billy himself would tell you that i think franklin too mm-hmm. you know it's uh it 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 helps i think to to reset the perspective too for parents that are struggling with this to say, my kid's got that big of a bullseye pointed on, painted on him by the enemy, mm-hmm. that also must mean that God's got big plans here. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. we, we know the John 10.10 10 passage. He's running about as a roaring lion mm-hmm. seeking. I mean, he's, got his, he's targeting mm-hmm. whom he can devour. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we know exactly what the enemy is up to right. and why and what his methodology is. Um, maybe where we need to be taught a lesson is to be mindful of God's grace and his graciousness and his long-suffering and his patience and his faithfulness to his word, that in the end, if you're able to surrender to him and recognize, you know what, I got it handled. Because you know what, Dr. Buckner, you didn't die for Ben Buckner, Mm -hmm. but Jesus did. Yeah, because you, you, you also see in the book of Revelation, you know, how the enemy comes after the the, the church and mm. comes after the the seed of the woman mm. and this is so true with uh, godly homes and godly marriages and children that are raised in Christian homes the enemy is going after to steal kill and destroy but we look at the fact that you must be doing something right that the enemy is coming at you so strong right. but you also balance it out and say God has a purpose in this. Amen. Amen. Let's take a time out. We're going to get you updated on some traffic. Come back to more of our conversation. With us today in studio is Dr. Jerry Buckner and Ben Buckner. A time out, an update right now from the KFAX Traffic Center's Promise with Michael Bennett. Michael. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.